What's crackalackin' everybody? Money Smart Guy, Matt Zapali here. Healing to you from Dallas, Texas, and welcome to another episode of the Millionaire Goals Podcast. This is episode 1515, and uh, I'm super, super excited about my guest in the studio today. Um, huge fan. Of course, you guys know I'm a Chicago Bears fan, and this is one of the top 100 greatest Chicago Bears of all time. First round draft pick out of Oklahoma. He's a Sooner, y'all. And uh, defensive tackle, just like just get, getting in there, allowing Brian Erlocker to do his job, per his words. We got in the studio today, three-time pro bowler, author, singer, psalmist, fisherman, <laughs> <laughs> Tom Harris. Hey, man. Thank you for having me out Pre- here, bro. Man, I appreciate you being here, brother. Thank you, man. How you doing, man? Hey, man, my best, bro. Listen, I, uh, I, uh, I reached out to you when I moved to Dallas, and... Um, you know, you, you, uh, we, for, for people that don't know, we actually go back a little bit. We, oh, yeah. uh, we went back to uh, Pastor John Hanna. Yes, sir. Uh, it was a men's retreat I first met you at. Back in the day, man. Right. Yeah. It, it was with New Life Covenant, Pastor Choco and Pastor Hanna, relationship there. And anyway, we're at we're, uh, men's retreat. Like, I've, I've, like, I was just new in my Christian walk. I'm like, what are you hanging out with a bunch of men for? And, but, bro, I'm, I'm so glad I went, um, not only because of the experience of getting closer to Christ, but getting to know you. Yes, and uh, I didn't realize you were such a big prankster. Yes, sir. <laughs> Well, I mean, they said they had somebody. Hey, they said go in there, man. We got somebody got to sleep on the floor with you. Remember, we all clammed in one room, right? Right. And I had this little fake rat, and I, you weren't, you weren't that pleased with what happened. But I threw a little rat on Matt, and Matt jumped around like a Fourth of July firework, and that was a, that was a great time, bro. <laughs> I thought it was because I was wearing uh, what is that uh, snakeskin white snakeskin shoes. I thought you said something like my, my my shoes needed something to eat. I don't know. I, I know, <laughs> Matt. When I tell you, I, I probably was about twenty three years wow, old. No kidding. I got drafted when I was twenty. I just turned twenty one on draft day. Wow. Yeah. You're, you're a junior. You're yeah, a junior that was like drafted. my third year in the league. I was only twenty three. So excuse my immaturity. Is that all good, <laughs> guys? Listen, I mean, you had a killer career. I mean, you were a three time Pro Bowler. You're uh, a Lombardi Trophy, Big Willis Trophy uh, uh, winner, uh, Big 12 Defensive Freshman of the Year. But our, our conversation with you today is not the player what you were. Our conversation with you today is who you are right. uh, as a man, as a believer, uh, as a father, uh, as, a, as a grieving uh, uh, husband. And folks, if you haven't picked it up already, we are talking about his book, Endure, the first chapter of this book, I had to put it down, bro. I'm like, I'm, I'm, I'm reading the first chapter of your book, bro. I'm, I'm getting choked up right now. And the stuff you had to go through, bro. And so um, for people that don't know about that, because a lot of people know you as a football player. Yeah. And uh, they're starting to get to know you. And I want to get your story out there as much as I can on this platform because we're a faith and finance type of podcast. Can you share a little bit about synopsis of, of your book and what really motivated you to write it? What motivated me to write Endure was uh, losing my wife, Ashley, uh, probably about, I think it's going on 10 or 11 years. I, I can't really, I'm, I'm so far past out into the healing process. Yeah, It becomes something I try to, you know, as you navigate through healing, from pain to healing, there's a process um, of talking about the wound and then living the scar. So I'm on the other side of living the scar. And uh, I just went through a lot of grieving counseling and 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 health after being at the top of my career my wife fatally dying from a brain aneurysm suddenly and um during surgery right during surgery she went to have a brain aneurysm i was married for 41 days and uh got a phone call that my wife passed on the table of a brain aneurysm 
But I didn't find out to like three days later because we had it on life support. So I learned a lot about machines breathing, do you? Um, playing dead in the land of the living. That's what a lot of, she taught me, my wife taught me a lot. And um, it, it, it's just a, a process of that, that led me on a way of mental health and starting to notice in things. When, I, when everything's going your way, money's going your way, you can't really feel a lot of people's pain. It's not your concerns, not your worries. But that book was just to encourage the ones that's been blindsided, encourage the people that are in the depths of fighting to be alive, encouraging the person that uh, wonder why I woke up today, why am I still here, and just giving them a charge uh, to never ever quit and to keep going no matter what comes. You know, in your in your book, uh, you, know, uh, you, you were mentioning that you you, were, you just landed, you're in baggage claim. And you find out your wife is in, in uh, life support, and some guy you just randomly met in the airplane said, "If you need anything, I got private jets." And yeah, so this guy actually owned the Austin jet. He owned a, a private jet company, and um, he ended up riding. Um, I didn't know why, but we sat and we had a conversation that whole morning. We talked about our families, but while we're in the air having this conversation, my wife is fighting for her oh, life. Yeah. And I'm not, unbeknownst to me, I believe in when I land, I'm going to meet her and see her. And all in, in within a flight, I talked to her that morning. And on the flight, while I'm in the air for two hours and 45 minutes, coming from Chicago to Dallas, um, I didn't know that she was fighting for her life. And while I'm bragging about my life, life is changing. Yeah. And just in a landing, um, this guy is sitting there talking to me. Uh, whenever you need a jet or anything, I was Crazy. like, "You don't have a jet company on the plane." <laughs> with me. You know? But as soon as I get the baggage claim, uh, uh, where she was having surgery, they called the surgery center, called me, and said, "Tommy, you have to hurry up and get to Oklahoma. Your wife stopped breathing." Uh, I said, "What are you talking about? I just talked to her before I got." She had a brain aneurysm on the table. I went back to the counter. Uh, I did not know what to do. All the counters said the flights were full. Everything's booked. Yeah. Uh, I reached in my pocket, and lo and behold, I found the jet guy's uh, card, and I called him right there, just a leap of faith, and he answered. And uh, I said, man, you know the family we were just talking about and all this, they, the, the people in Oklahoma just said my wife passed away, and I need to get there immediately. There's no flights. He said, Tommy, where are you going? I said, Colleen, Texas. I was going to Colleen to see my parents, and then I was going to fly to Oklahoma to meet up with my wife. He uh, immediately had, he said there will be a jet waiting for you in Colleen. In Colleen. And on, in that moment, the way everything was happening, even though I was scared, even though I was, I didn't know what was going on, I still knew God was in control. Like, what are the chances that this yeah. thing could be set up like this? So my whole, my, my whole story is that you, you never know what God is doing. I've always been a fan of Jonah. Like, even when you think you're doing the wrong thing, God is always doing the right the belly thing. belly of the whale. Oh, my goodness. God always has a way of doing something better than you can think. And in this story, man, it just tells you how God, how you go from unknowing to pain pushing you to knowing God and yeah. how suffering pushes you closer to God. So that's what the story of Endure is about. Yeah, and, and for those of you who read it, um, he's got uh, its section between every other chapter. It's cleats on, cleats off. It's like, so it's like when you're playing, during your playing years, and cleats off is when you're, when you're off the field. Yes. Yeah. So I wanted to humanize um, 
I noticed that when I was going through different counselings or different help, a lot of people associated being wealthy with not being able to suffer. Like, yeah. why are you? Why are you yeah. here? You have all this money. You have all this. And I wanted to humanize the athlete and yeah. allow anyone to know that everyone goes through pain. Yeah, yeah, families right? too. Yeah, everyone goes through a battle. No matter how much money you make, no matter how we all fight through these episodic trials that go through life. And that's a book that helps you kind of navigate through what you're dealing with and know that yeah. you're not alone. You know, when when, when reading here, this is the uh, just the first chapter. I mean, I'm like such a heavy book in the first chapter, bro. Yeah, it's, just uh, take your time. Yeah, you know, <laughs> yeah, it's heavy. The first couple chapters. So are. you know, you're you're you got all the money in the world, and you're like, bring, you're telling to the doctor, bring her back. I, I got you all the money you want. I got it. Just bring her back. Right. Right. And the doctor's like, no, he's she's got gray matter, which means she's brain dead, and then they're they're just keeping her alive for organ donor. Mm -hmm. Right, and so at least in that, you know, at least your wife is living in gave life to other yeah. people's lives because of her organs. Yeah, but the way it happened, it wasn't the the nicest way because I was still praying for God to make Bring a move. Back. Yeah, and I didn't know why people were moving in because you found out because somebody told told you. Yeah, he, the I doctor found, didn't tell you. No, uh, my agent came in and told me why I was praying in the chapel. He showed me the phone, and I found out over the internet yeah. that my wife had passed over brain aneurysm. And, yeah. and the doctor thought I should have just knew because he said she's gray matter that that means there's no fighting chance. Yeah. So I thought when they were feeding her organs that uh, that they were feeding her. They were just hosting her, getting yeah. her, re her organs ready to, to be, transferred. be, uh, be gotcha. transferred. And then if that wasn't bad, uh, right here on uh, page 126 of your book, yeah, and then your daughter... Uh, how do a proper spelling sounding of her name? Talia. Talia. Okay. Yeah. Talia died of sudden infant death, death syndrome. syndrome. That's SIDS. SIDS. Yeah. Bro. Yeah. So right when I think how I'm, she? she was four months. Oh so right when I think I'm recovering from this thing, and I'm just getting to a place where probably about I'm four years in trying to get over this, four to five, and then boom. I come home from the gym, I'm looking in the mirror, I'm feeling good, I just dropped my baby off. Uh, my new fiance had just uh, went off to uh, go back to work as a doctor. Uh, yeah. That was her first day back. And she yeah. dropped the baby off with her parents uh, to watch the grandparents. And when they walked back in the room, she's, she died in her sleep. Wow. So. And then, and then um, your nanny, Nanny B, had yeah. a fatal head-on collision. <laughs> That Only a month like after you wrote sack. the book. Yeah, man. And, and then your it, father passed father. away nine months on his way to having another another scar in your life. Yeah. Wow, bro. And the, th the thing about what you said, you, you were getting interviewed by uh, uh, Smokey Norfolk. He's, he's got a song that every time I hear the I, the I Need You Now song, yes, sir. every time I hear that song, bro, I'm like, I'm like I gotta pull over to the side. It's yeah. like, I'm a mess after hearing that, that worship song. But, um, you know, you, you're going through all this stuff, and you said to, his, to him in your interview, you said, death is not... Something that happens to life is part. It's it's in life. In can, life. can you rephrase that the, the way? Yeah, death is not a thing that happens in to life. It's a thing that happens in life, right? Correct. Like it, Absolutely. It's, it's a thing that happens. It, it, it's you're not. Life is not over with, right? Yeah. Like and and that takes a that's a hard process, right? And when I tell you that charge endure, that's the only name because I was thinking of ouch, right? I was it was overcoming unexpected circumstances. Healthily, as I was moving through mental health, I recognized that in football, 
becoming a man, it, it, you you lose your ouch at, I lost my ouch at 10, right? Don't be a punk, don't be a chump. If you want to play this game, you got to be a man. Mm-hmm. And your dad's going to do little league, mm-hmm. then you're going. So it's mm-hmm. like, I, the last time, when was the last time I said ouch? When was the last time I said that hurt me yeah. or that bothered me or that? Yeah. So when I went through all these different uh, mental health specialists, dealing with grieving problems, dealing with all this other stuff, I kind of felt like that overcoming uh, unexpected circumstances healthily kind of took away from, the the ouch was kind of a little too sad being a ball player for me because I wanted to char, I wanted to challenge something. And I felt like endure challenges anyone never ever quit. Wherever they're sitting at right now, wherever they're hearing this, no matter if you're feeling like giving up, never ever quit. And I had to understand the reason why is because one man's obedience, like Pastor Anatole, is connected to so many other people's destiny. And when you recognize that your pain is not about you, it's about if you're able to grow through this, you inspire others to keep them to continue to never ever quit. And if they can pick up this attitude, they inspire others to never ever quit. And imagine if the world picks up this attitude. That is a change like no ever. So that's what it's about, man. Trials are gonna be here. You can't quite seem to call like a, 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 a what's his name, a David Batter, uh, Madison, the uh, uh, Batterson, the author. Uh, he wrote a circle round. Um, he says, "Well, this is what he says: You never can always sometimes tell. Mm-hmm. You never can al- ever always sometimes tell." And I put why on there. But you can't, in this life, you can never tell when anything is going to go wrong. And I came up with a saying from there that helps me every morning when I wake up in the morning. I say, this is the day the Lord has made. I will rejoice. I will be glad in it. I'll find something to rejoice about. I'll be glad. No matter how sad I feel, how bad I feel, I have to find a way to move out of there. But then another thing that God started speaking to me as I begin my healing process yep. is, Tommy, I view everything as only time will tell. Yeah. Yeah. He's, he's rich. Only time will tell. Time will tell is a great revealer, man. That's right. Yeah. He's poor. Only time will tell. Yeah. And you, real, you realize that it, God, I've recognized more at this time in my life to, to let time tell and not let me tell what time is doing. Now, here, here you, uh, there, there's, you, in, your, in your book, in quotes, you're wrestling with God. Oh, yeah. You're angry with God. Oh, yeah. You're, but you know, I don't know how to be angry with God because I'm so religious. I, I come from a church, and that's yeah. a bad thing. But I believe that's what God wants us in total honesty. Yeah. And as I navigate through the story and begin to speak to God, I begin to get a closer relationship by giving God my pain. Yeah. Talking to my father about what I'm going through. Here you put in your book, I got God on my side. I've got connections. I've got all the money in the world. I'm Tommy Harris for Christ's sake. You got this, TH. Next play. This is like being in a tough game. You always got to make a big play. Let's go. It's game time. Th- that was your affirmation. Yeah. That's what you kept telling yourself. And and still, life didn't go the way, the outcome didn't go the way you wanted. No. You know, you know, and, and you, the, the the gentleman that wrote the forward of your book is Nick Vujacek. Yeah. And, great uh, friend. Yeah. So how, how, how did you run across Nick Vujacek? Because he he came and spoke to our, our conference. And the moment I saw Nick Vujacek and I thought I had problems, I'm like, I got no, I, I oh, man. forget about it. Nick is one of the most remarkable humans I've ever met. And I, I call him the, the true giant. He's the real giant, man. And uh, I met Nick on a speaking circuit uh, with Dr. Fab at uh, 
doc, one of Dr. Fab's retreat. And from there, we grew a, a tight-knit relationship. Can you, uh, Jordan, can you show my screen real quick just to see uh, who, uh, for the audience who Nick Vujacic is? He was born with what? No arms, no legs? No arm, no leg, and with a uh, metal spine, uh, pole up his spine. <laughs> and, I mean, the guy would invite you over to go fishing. He will, He can do... And he makes you feel no excuses, just results. And that's a guy every morning I think about when I get into the depths of my stuff. Um, but I don't feel sorry for for Nick. Nick is Nick teaches me every day to wake up and have courage. Yeah. And and that's what I'm. That's all it's about, man. Just teaching people how not, never to quit. You might feel like quitting sometimes. You might be in that place. But just give yourself one more second, one more hour, one more minute. Just keep pushing and see what guy will do next. So he calls you up to go fishing? Yeah. <laughs> yeah well, yeah, he invites me over to go fishing. So, so, so you tell me the other day we were having the cigars at uh, your, your OU uh, alumni restaurant at Chamberlain's. Chamberlain, yeah. yeah, shout out. It, um, um, apparently he's got a Maybach. I mean, Nick, Nick's yeah. rolling. He's, he's a oh, great yeah. investor. Man, Nick's doing well, yeah. man. Nick, Nick has all kind of investments, land, Living better than any, you better not feel sorry for Nick. Nick is doing, God is blessing Nick. Nick is showing you what God does when you speak about his glory. Yeah. He takes care of You're telling me about his driver. Yeah, his driver, what he does is he uh, he influences a lot of, um, 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 I don't like to call them gangsters, but just, just guys that's been through a lot. Yeah. Um, he's touched their lives, so they touch his life every day. All the guys around, so don't mess with Nick. Don't, <laughs> don't think he just don't think because he he, he got boys around him that can move. So yeah, God's covered him. He needs he knows who he needs to call. Yeah, uh, push comes to shove. So somebody's going through some stuff right now. I mean, uh, with America going on, we talk about endure. I mean, the way I'm looking at a lot of the problems and issues in America today. Um, people are very sens sensitive. Um, you know, for, for example, you know, a, a former Chicago Bear, Mike Singletary, right? Um, I love the guy, watch him as a player, but it doesn't seem that he has the capacity to, I don't know, is it relating with players? It, because it's, it's both on a pro level. Uh, um, I know he coached here at the, at the high school level uh, with, with a hard-nosed type of coach like Mike Singletary. Is, is that getting through to players today because I don't know if they have this type of endurance endurance muscle or just taking just taking tough shots well just like Mike Singletary um coach Singletary I'm sorry coach just like coach Singletary um we're not bending like that that's the standard now <laughs> right. Where, what you recognize with a lot of men in today's time everyone's bending everyone's going with the flow and that's the problem with that's the issue we're having with our, our younger men don't know, there's no leaders. And when you do find a leader, it's like all men in today's time are on whisper. It's like you can't talk loud anymore. You better not move too fast. Don't yeah. be too, but that's a man. Yeah. You in control. You So yeah. it's like we're losing our identity. The more and more we sit back and let the world tell us how to adjust. Like the kids that get Mike Singletary, Coach, Coach Mike, mm -hmm are blessed and they do well. They didn't mm -hmm. like it at be before, they yeah. didn't like it, but every kid you hear, they sing his grace and they thank God at this time of where they at and, and today, yeah. all that tough love he put on them. Yeah, he's, he's, he's Samurai, Samurai Mike. He's drill Iron Mike. Yeah, he's, he's not changing for anybody. The, the, th the things he did on the football field, I mean, I, the fact that he was wearing a cross, 
Uh, I mean, you wore uh, your um, Psalm ninety-one. Psalm ninety-one. What's it called the nasal strip? Yeah. Right. You're you're uh, you're, tell, you're telling me about some of the uh, opportunities because uh, we we had Tim Tebow uh, speak at our event. He had John three sixteen. You had Psalm ninety-one. Mm-hmm. I call that the protection psalm. Yes, sir. You know. Uh, so you took key from that from the NFL from where? But you said, okay, I'm. I'm still wearing it. Yeah, <laughs> I, I had to deal with Breathe Right, so they they paid half, and then I'll pay half. So they, every I'll, game, I'll fine. oh yeah, <laughs> but it was necessary, man. For sure, it was necessary. But you see what guys do now; their whole cleat. If I was in the league now, my whole cleat would have Bible verses all on it and yeah. all kind of stuff. But you yeah. couldn't do any of that now. Can we talk a little bit of football? Yes, sir. Let's okay. Roll. So, uh, how much do you think the game has changed uh, since when you played to where is that right now, and, and is it good or bad? Uh, I wouldn't say it's good or bad. I, 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 I think that it's uh, it's moved more from the physicality part into show business. I mean, the, these late hit panels, I just, just I mean, well, you're basically paying to play. Like that, guys yeah. are making business deals now on yeah. if they want to play the game violent mm-hmm. or not pay this fine. I, I don't want to pay this fine. So you're making these decisions in the middle of plays. And you're costing your teammates championship. You're costing because the game puts it on the player, which is not fair. I think they should evaluate that, get the, get, make the rules. They make up rules every week. The game has changed however they want to yeah. make it. I yeah. don't think that's fair on the player. And the player has to pay for that. Because people see it in slow-mo. But, you know, you're there. You're, you're attacking the ball. And you can't slow down. No, One I'm, second slowing down, that's you getting hurt over the next. So it's a very fast game, a very violent game. And I think we could cancel all the conversation out if you just guarantee the contracts. If you guarantee the contracts, the, the, the fans, the players, they don't have a problem with doing We've been doing this for cheap for 100 years. Yeah. Even though guys say we're paying this, we're getting paid this much, the owners are making billions and billions, and TV deal billions and billions. I think this year in baseball, Kevin Griffey Jr. is going to be the fifth highest paid Cincinnati Red on the roster. He's been, he's been long retired because they guarantee his contract oh, to yeah. pay for the rest of his yeah, that's you know, smart. for X amount of uh, years. That was a smart deal. So, so you, you, know, you know the, the money behind football better. So, so what's 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 uh, how come they're not guaranteeing the contracts i mean if they sign a you know you sign a let's say a hundred million dollar uh, uh, uh deal and it's uh, fully guaranteed because right now as it stands if we as the fans see a hundred million dollar contract being signed in 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 your mind well what's guaranteed i see 48 off 48 percent i see 48 million when you say 100 i see what the players taking how me do the math what's the math behind that 50 percent. yeah what you just said okay. it's 48 percent. but i'm halving it already because you're getting taxes taken out you're going to get a lot of money deducted after that so you got to count that half already you never the player never sees that number that's the difference a basketball player a baseball mm-hmm. player yeah. they're if they don't see that number their family's going to see the number and football player, half of that is done. So you're posing and you're living like you had that number. Yeah. You don't have that number. You went and spent most of that stuff thinking you had this number, and then you get cut, like Ezekiel Elliott. Who's going to take up the rest of this contract? They only paid you $28 million for a $90 million contract. That's right. You look good for a couple years, but now you're, you're out there stuck with your 28, and the 28 got taxed too. Yeah. That was your guarantee. Yeah, of, sure. So... I just think it's all monopoly money, and it's uh, it's uh, so now he's cut. He's a free agent, so he now he has to 
start from scratch all over again. Or, so whatever or, the team's going to pay him. Yes. Because he's cut. They, they yeah. can't. They, they can't. So they, they cut, the team, they may have some, what, dead cap, uh, dead cap type yes. of money they have to pay still. Yeah, but. so they'll probably do like a one-year deal or to make him prove himself again. And that's the yeah. hardest. You talking about being a pro bowler and yeah. all this, and, and the team cuts you and your value now goes to yeah. – now you go from making ten million dollars per season yeah. to six fifty or a million two. Yeah, you wanna you're gonna start asking yourself, is it worth me playing football? Is that what Erlacher went through? Because I know that's what they're trying to. That's what a lot of guys, yeah. Fitzgerald, Erlacher, uh, a lot of guys. Once you feel like I've been playing, I've been paid as a prize horse my whole career. I'm not about to go and get what a donkey takes. Like, <laughs> not not like that. Sure. But but what, that's the real guys don't. Once you, like Mike Tyson said, you fight different in silk sheets. Once you felt them silk sheets, man, it's hard to go back out and do that. And yeah. you, you got to weigh, do I have enough money to quit or do I got to go back and do another? Yeah. And that's where guys will make a decision. But right now the league has a problem because guys are becoming smarter. Guys, the entrepreneurship in them, the yeah. NIL deals, uh, they're getting into business faster. So guys are really using this as an opportunity to come in and have an exit plan at, at three to five or, or five to eight max right. and say grab as much money as you can because the severity of this sport is not paying out for what it's worth. Like, so let me, Patrick Willis, that's one of the guys still should be playing, but he had the resume to say, let me put together this many six Pro Bowls, eight Pro Bowls back to back. Okay, I've done enough. You got the, uh, the, the uh, linebacker, the linebacker, yeah, yeah, 49, for, for great Nash. talent. Yeah. I was sad that he retired, but I got it. And then you see yeah. Luke Keekley. He could have played longer, but guys are getting smarter. They're knowing that, okay, I got a good career. They know when to call it. Calvin Johnson, I had a great career. Early. I don't have to go play 13, 14 years. And yeah. then contracts aren't not guaranteed. I can yeah. make in this market today with a yeah. good image, yeah. with a golden jacket. Mm -hmm. Man, you got offer, you got deals to turn down all day. Peyton Man, how much is Brady gonna how much is Brady gonna get just to talk? Three was it three hundred mil? Three fifty, yeah, I thought. Three fifty in one year. Check. <laughs> <laughs> so his entire playing career summarized in one broadcasting. One year. man. <laughs> so you you were telling me uh, one of the most humiliating moments of your entire career was the NFL combine. How come? Uh, I just felt like it's un it was unnecessary. Right, and, and especially knowing our um, our our climate in history, yeah, and being an African American, I, I really thought it was very. Um, um, I, I I don't really know the word for it. not embarrassed, worse than embarrassing, because you knew better. You felt like you dehumanized. Yeah, you it dehumanized. You you just you knew better. You knew that society is far beyond. So when it's your turn to go out there, you take off your shirt. You got to stick out your tongue. You got to open your hand. He's you measuring you up. Yeah. Turn around and yeah. they're telling you they're yelling out your numbers and all that. I said it's just like the market, like you know. Yeah. And that was a process that, but I didn't think about this till after I was finished. You don't come to any. I didn't really. I knew it was bad, but I wanted the opportunity. Yeah, when you draft, yeah, for right. sure. And I get it. Why everybody, even if they hear me now, that's not gonna stop a kid from mm -hmm. wanting to try, yeah. but. I think they could do better ways of navigating that. Do you think with the NIL deals right now, it's going to affect the talent coming into the NFL? Because now they're making their money and now they're out. I think it, and the it, most college players aren't going to get drafted anyway. 
Yeah, I I think it will, but I I think that it's going to affect uh, owners. I think the the talent of football is going to change because owners are not going to go for a guy that if you if me and you own the team, will we go for the best player now, or we would go for who's blue checked and have the most followers? Who's going to fill our Interesting. seats? Interesting. Interesting. So now you have that. You you got Who's verified on the way in. Yeah, you got guys that are getting drafted. Who's bringing eyeballs? To they my know team. he has a following of five million, six million. Come on, <laughs> get him, and we're gonna. He's gonna bring some people to. Yeah. So it, it becomes it, we're in that place now where it's a yeah. business deal on top of a business deal now. Yeah, because they're bringing they're not bringing an athlete; they're bringing an influencer. That's right. On their platform. That's right. And they can cross-share that audience. Yeah. Well, not just an influence. If the athlete so happens to be an influence, or it can help his draft status because it helps the team. That's a new way of looking at it. Interesting. Yeah. I don't just want him. He don't have any followers. He's a great talent. But this thing is about you. Boxers are fighting. Mayweather fought a regular person. Yeah. (laughs) <laughs> this is new. This yeah. is the new. Yeah, he's finding YouTubers. This is what yeah. it's about now. So yeah. you might not get the most talented person anymore. You might get the most famous person. So as, as it, this works, it might, it's changing. Yeah, because stadiums need to get filled. And yeah. owners want to. Like, I don't believe all owners want to win. I don't believe that. Yeah. I believe they win when they fill their stadiums out. And the bonus is when the scoreboard is. They happen to have a Brady or you happen to have and, – and the New England Patriots got lucky because we talk about Brady like he was a first-rounder. Brady yeah. defies everything about why you even have a, a – Combine and all yeah, that stuff, right? Yeah. He defies why do you have a scout. And sure. Your scout was dead wrong. You know? <laughs> <laughs> like, like, you know? so, well, I mean, look at the guy. I mean, he didn't look like a – you know, he didn't look like an athlete in, in, uh, in Michigan. Uh I mean, you can't tell because, like, think about it. I got drafted at 20, and I turned 21 on draft day. And I came into a locker room full of old men. Most guys come out of college at 24, 23. I'm already in my fourth year as a kid. Yeah. You get into that league, man, you see the process of people growing. You don't know who's going to – if you stay in there long enough, some guys had their best seasons in year 9, 10 – Eleven, like if you get better with time, and that's what Brady did. My uh, my uh, my screen here, real quick. This is uh this is Tommy here in college. Wait, ah! <laughs> <laughs> were you wearing Ephesians? Is that what you were wearing? Mm-hmm. What? Uh, which I love. I love King Solomon, man. Oh, yeah, man. Ephesians. Uh, and then this is uh this, this is Tommy here. Uh, what, what this is uh, uh, with you in Chargers? Boo. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> uh, this is who we who we destroying over here, man. Oh, that's my brother. That's Hasselbeck. I'm sorry, brother. <laughs> I just talked to him when I was in Germany. But this is uh, this is uh, the way I ran into your church. You head yeah. steaming. You're just like, man. Yeah. You know. But uh, that guy there. So what was it, what was it like for you um, to to have to restart all over again? You go you go through this. You're fighting through this. You're you're enduring through everything life was throwing your way. You're signing with a new team. A team that didn't draft you, a team that you're—is it a tryout process? Is, is, is that what's happening? Are your agents telling you what team is the best fit for you? Yeah, well, I didn't have to try. When I I was pretty, uh, I was uh, like I was like Zeke. I was a good name that was yeah. cut. That was out on the market, so I could you, shop. You can find a job. Yeah, yeah, I could shop around. But my issue was 
all the schemes, see, people don't understand. You can't just play for any team just yeah. to have a job. If you want to be successful, you get on a team whose scheme fits your style of play, if you're fortunate. Yeah. And that's how the draft works. Most people draft what they need. Yeah. When you're a free agent, you go to wherever. Yeah. If if the team if you're, all my spots were filled, yeah. the teams already need the defenses I wanted to play for already had their guys, so I had to go to a three four. Because you're 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 a, you're a oh so yeah but you, over the nose. I had to play all in that. Wow. Not rush, but gotcha. hold up stuff right. for the other yeah, guys. Yeah, you're the plug. So I've yeah. never been that. I've never been that guy. Got I'm it. a playmaker. So we went from 4-3 four, three, to 4-3, four, 3-4 three, three, yeah. Yeah. defense. to holding up. That's why I said boo and you should have been there. <laughs> that was like one of the worst experiences of football for me. Wow. Yeah, just because of the scheme. Um, by the way, speak, speaking of a scheme, um, coming into this draft, uh, the Bears got the ninth uh, overall pick and uh, who was thought to be the number one pick overall because the Bears are going to pick number one it was there this this uh, defensive tackle from your position from uh, Georgia Jalen yeah. uh, Carter I like Jalen you do yeah in spite of in spite of all the character issues and all the you know he was, he was racing and all that and two, two of his uh, players got got killed but you know the guy yeah okay. I, I, well I don't know him um something sparked on my heart to text him um I, I, I had a chance to watch him uh, the last two years, and I, I really? said, "This is a this is a oh any good D tackle that I can see push the line back further than what the line yeah that you got something special because he's going to eat up time. He's either going to make plays or disrupt blocking schemes, and yeah. that's what guys get paid big money for. And to play with your right hand and your left hand down." So the team, the threat can come from both ways. That's why Aaron Donald is such a threat. He can play yeah. on the right side. You find him on the left. Yeah. Find him at defensive end. You could play over the nose. He might drop back and cover. Like you, <laughs> you want these type of special guys. But I had a time. Uh, I had a chance. Uh, something told me to text him, to DM him, and I DM'd him. Just a guy just told me speaking in this young man's life and tell him to make sure, to give him something that you wish someone else would have told you before you got drafted. Yeah. And I begin to just tell him, keep his head up, make sure he takes the right people with him. Everyone can't go on this trip. Yeah. This is a small window that closes fast, so gain as much as you can quick. Yeah. And get your whole pit crew. I told him, you look at this. I look at football to younger guys now that, that have NIL deals. You have to look at this business you're going into like the Indy 500. You're only as good as your pit crew. You're only as good as your financial group, your, yeah. your massage therapy, your people is going to take care of your, your body. body. Now the people are going to take care of your social media, your image, and all. You got to have all these things together. And as long as you can keep this together, someone's going to pay to put an emblem on your vehicle. And that's the business. Someone's gonna pay. You keep that that vehicle running in shape. Keep the keep it looking good. Someone's gonna stick a sticker on it. Wonder yeah. Bread, Starburst, Skittle. <laughs> Someone's gonna come and sponsor that vehicle if you can keep it up running. So when you're when you're uh, thinking about the game of football, that I mean, your son. I mean, you're showing me pictures of your son. I mean, he's, he's a big boy. I mean, yeah. is, is he as big as you now? Almost, at, at, yeah. At what, four, almost 13, bigger. 14? Yeah, 14. Yeah. <laughs> he's a big boy. Yeah, he's huge. Would you advise him to play uh, football? I don't advise him to play football, but I didn't allow him to play football until he wanted to make that decision. If he was if he was getting scouts looking at him, and uh, and it was that between that and basketball or, or, or another sport. Uh, if, let's say your son is equally talented in, in basketball, football. He, he is. Okay. Yeah. 
uh, would you guide him to one sport over the other and, and why? No, I, I, I would allow him to make his own decision. Like my, my parents stayed out of my business. I didn't have the parents that hovered me, took me to practice, went. To, if my parents came to a game, I was happy. You know, that was so saying? cool to see you getting drafted. I remember that day they drafted you. My dad you. was shouting. You're, you're at home. Oh yeah, yeah my on the couch. You're like, shouting, yeah, they, they used to play his video. They used to play his video of him dancing and shouting around. But yeah, man, um, I, I just really feel like at this time with what we know in today, yeah. in 2023, watching Will Smith do a beautiful job with concussions seeing the information that comes out about it's not a game to me and then at the end of football the worst is when the fans go away and the guys got to go find out how i'm going to pay for what i just done to my body yeah the nfl doesn't help you you're going to have to chase down just like a va a person from the va you're going to have to show these people what you did to me and they're going to look for you got dudes with concussions that they're putting out looking for paperwork and dates to be somewhere and it's like set up to yeah. be it, it was the worst the most frustration frustrating thing i had to do with trying to receive my disability was going back every week trying to explain yeah what they did to me yeah and yeah. I thought I was being compensated on the back end. So yeah. I want to tell every young man that goes in there from day one, whatever they get a copy of, whatever yeah. they take of you, or of your x-rays, your MRIs, you get a copy of. Yeah. And you store all that data until you're finished, and that's going to be worth something. That's, that's one thing Reggie White told me from day one when I first got in. And it helped me. So I'm, I'm going to transition to, uh, I'm going to shift some gears here. Uh, but before we shift some gears, um, I want to uh, listen to some music here real quick before we shift some gears. Because uh, we're talking about uh, faith and tithing here real quick from Justin Bieber and Russell wasn't being part of this church. But uh, Jordan, can you play out a song real quick that, uh, before we uh, move on to the next transition? Ah. <laughs> So you're you're a country singer. You're not. Uh, soul country. Huh? Soul country. Mm -hmm. Okay. So mm -hmm. what, uh, what 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 inspired that? What was that? What was that creative process like, man? This, this man. I, I, I feel the pain in that in those in those words, bro. Yeah. Well, that's what writing became very therapeutic for me. Yeah. Um, but this song all happened by accident. Just yeah. you know, but God don't make mistakes. But it it just it wasn't planned. It, it wasn't. I was sitting out at um, Toby Keith's celebrity uh, softball game, yeah. and while I was in the shower, after the game, I was in the shower, and I was singing a little riff, and Billy Dawson, um, a country artist out of Nashville, he said, uh, who's that singing that? Sing that again? <laughs> and I said, what? He said, say that again. And I hit the riff. I said, um, 
And he said, oh, my goodness, you sound like Chris Stapleton and uh, Ray Charles Mix. <laughs> I said, man, stop bluffing me, man. He said, serious. He said, man, if you ever want to come down and work and do some work, come down to Nashville and I got you. I was, the next week, I, I, I'm always big on men keeping their word. And my man say something, I'm going to challenge him. So I called him right back. I said, hey, man, uh, you remember you told me? He said, when you coming down? I said, I could be down tomorrow. That's great. Come on. I get down to Brentwood. We work on some music. As soon as I get there, he takes me to uh, Rivers Rutherford. He made the Country Hall of Fame, and he helps me write uh, two songs that that's we worked great. through. And uh, it's just been great, man. Hoop, there it is, man. Yeah, that's it, man. Amen. Hallelujah. Um, let's, let's speak of, uh, of, of faith. Um, uh, Jordan, if we could look at this here, uh, there's there's something I wanted to ask you about because you're a believer. Yeah. You're, you're raised, and uh, in, in, through your book, you're talking about how how important being raised in church was uh, for you, for for your parents to bring you to church. There's a church there that uh, that has, uh, has Justin Bieber and Russell Wilson as members, but they're accused of requiring their employees that they employ the church employer employees. They required them to donate part of their earnings as a tithe. I mean, they they basically take it out of their they take it out of their check. What, what's, your, what's your thoughts on tithing? And, and, and should a church, if you're working for a church, impose that be a direct allotment back to the church if you are working for them? If you are working, um, uh, that's interesting. I, I think a lot of guys are becoming more creative in their approach. Um, but um, my tithing, uh, I just, I, I give 10% to. I tithe to different organizations, foundations, yeah. people that I think that are doing big needs in the in the community, different things, can, uh, cancer research, grieving homes, mm -hmm. um, uh, boys and girls clubs, and, and then from the other part is I try to pay attention to people in my life that could use this, right? Like uh, as we go through these different difficult times. I try to consider people that are working hard, people that I know are struggling, people that I know, and I try to help there and give when I can. Why, why is tithing, uh, for everybody that's watching this, there's a lot of baby Christians that's also watching this, new believers too as well. Mm -hmm. Why is tithing such an impactful uh, portion of your faith walk? Well, tithing just shows that you're, you, you're telling God that you invested me, I want to invest back in the kingdom. And I can do it through material. If, if God is giving you an abundance or giving you um, an overflow and you have uh, what uh, excess fat, that's that's for the people. That's for the mission. That's for other people that are hurting. And um, that's what it's about. And even when you don't have the money, you, that, yeah. You, you, yeah, even There's when you no don't overflow. have the you can give, you can serve, you can pray, you can give a hand out, uh, not a hand, uh, give a hand out, not a hand, uh, give a hand up, not a hand out, but you can, you can help people, you can serve in different communities, you can, there's all different type of ways of tithing. But it's just giving, as long as you're giving. I don't want to get into specifics, because you can't say anything in today's time, but tithing is very important to show God that he invests in you, so... You should give back to him. That's right. It's just not right. It's not resources. Also, time and also your 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 talent. Um, I want to go in this area here too as well. I don't know if you have an opinion on this, but uh, this teacher um, uh, was. Um, I'm sorry. Uh, not here. This this teacher uh, was banned from adding a Bible verse in her email signature. <laughs> a Bible verse in her signature, right? And and yet the, a, a lot of uh, uh, folks can. 
can, uh, by the way, look at that Bible in the classroom. Mm -hmm. You know, it was, it was uh, you know, since the Bible has been removed from the classroom, I think a lot of moral decay. When you remove the pl Pledge of Allegiance, you remove people that can pray, let alone carry a Bible in school. I think a lot of moral decay starts happening. Uh, and by the way, I'm noticing that more, th more in the... I'm from Chicago. I, you know, I, I don't remember seeing the Bible in school or, or, or people talking about faith in school. I'm noticing more here in the South. Oh, yeah. Um, it's the Bible Belt. The Bible Belt, right. Yeah. I, I just, I feel like it's, it's, it's sad. You know, Matt, like I, I told you earlier, I tried to uh, mind my own biscuit so my life would be gravy. And in this time, I, I really just think it's, it's, whenever we're in crisis, that means God is speaking. And I think the people are, it is extremely uh, disappointing to, know that we come from a country that is built on God and now God is leaving us and we we can't understand why so much troubles is happening. And I believe that God is speaking right now in this moment that the people of God come together and the people come together. And that's what he's doing right now where he's about to make no choice that we're gonna have to start work. We have got caught up in all the wrong things in my opinion of color, of um, hierarchies of positions, respecting people for financial gain and what they do. Um, and, and I just had to learn, like, I had a chance to go off to a place called the Hoffman Experience where 46 of the world's richest people or rich people were in one place and they didn't know how to move forward uh, with life. And I had a chance to work through my stuff uh, about six days with these individuals of different colors, different beliefs, different everything. And it all came down to the last day uh, what everybody was trying to arrive back to, and that was love. And at the end of the day, we can call it what you want to call it, Buddha, Jesus, Krishna, all these different names. I call them Jesus because that's what I feel. That's where I'm from. That's the love I feel in that name. But um, Amen. I, I just feel like um, it all comes, it, Jesus came here to, to show the world love, for God yeah. so loved the world that he gave. And it's in a place to, the loving of people is, God's putting us in a place right now where it's about to come back to the love of people. Yeah. And we can't control it. Tommy, give us some wisdom here. But, but let's say you want to live on somebody. Right? You're, you're giving of yourself. But like, no, Tommy, but you got to do this for me. You can't call me this. I identify as this, uh, uh, you know, you got to vote this in. I got to judge you because of who you vote for, you don't vote for. How do you extend love to somebody so combative and unwilling to reason? Well, I don't, I don't ever get that. So I, I think because I love them. And I, I, I may not agree with what they do, but mm -hmm. I know I love you because God created you. And I love God, and that's my response. And I'm... I also have a compassion that I thank God that that's not my feet, too. And you also, a lot of people talk against people's struggle, but thank God that's not your struggle. So have compassion that it's not your struggle, okay. right? Like, it's not you. That yeah. could be you. So I also try to say, replace face. Treat other people like you want to be treated. I replace my face. I put my face on your face while I talk to you. And how would I want? To, how would I want to talk? Be talked to? How would I want to be pursued at? How would I want a subject to open up to me? Mm -hmm. And I can only control that. And that's how I try to do with others. Um, 
There's some videos here. I love your your thoughts on um, a couple of uh, Jordan. We're gonna go to some of the reaction videos here. Um, first, first one here. Let's let's stay on this topic of faith, and I'm, I'm gonna flip to uh, I'm gonna flip back to sports. Um, where is that clip of faithfulness of God? Uh, I'm I'm sorry. Start, stop trying to get pay, people. Try, stop trying to get back people that God is trying to take out of your life. Let's, uh, let's look at that one. Stop trying to get back people because sometimes people remove people for your own good. Friends, family, mm-hmm. uh, good social partners. Let's take a look at this. Stop clip. chasing people who are leaving. Stop chasing people who don't get it. Stop chasing trying to get back in your life. People that God is trying to take out of your life, let them go. This is a time in your life that you can no longer continue to grieve about who walked away, who abandoned you, who forsook you, who left you, who walked away. You've got to stand up and recognize that God doesn't need anything that you lost to bless you. God will always use what you've got left. Let them go. Yeah, that's it. That's it. Yeah, I got you, about Yeah, man. Yeah, man. Went to this church a couple times here in Dallas. Um, what's your thoughts on that? I, 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 Bad man, breakup, he, career. You don't have the right deal, right relationship. Yeah, but letting go is difficult, right? Yeah. And uh, I, I had to understand that. Uh, we're all God's process, man. Like everybody's under construction, everybody's going through, but there comes a point in time in your life. And I think it comes with maturity where I don't think some people can let people go at some moments, like, but time will do it. If you can't make that decision that God would just make some things uncomfortable. When you outgrow things, have you ever tried to put on a shirt that you you got in shape and <laughs> it don't fit it? It's uncomfortable to be around. So that's my I try to let some things in my season I needed that I was trying to let go. And, and I'm talking from from a real mm-hmm. point because yeah. we can get on some hierarchies and start feeling like okay yeah. I'm it, but if you've ever suffered through anything or yeah. been through pain and suffering, you kind of I've had a threshold where I I kind of stay, and that just spoke to me. I kind of stay, I yeah. stay with people and I long suffer with people, and I expect that same thing when I'm messing up or when I'm in it, but if it costs you too much pain to be in it, I think you, like he said, let it go. But I I just can't agree with what everybody is saying. I I just, I know that as I process through my life, I've known that I've held on to things longer that I've could have, I wanted to let go, but I I couldn't. And then I I prayed so long or, or I exercised or practiced a certain mindfulness of something that I got bigger in such a way where this thing just became uncomfortable to be around. It, yeah. it cut itself out because the work I was doing. I think sometimes when you face a breakup or a removal of a business partner or association or a friend, it's almost like uh, you screwed up by doing so, and you can't screw up. Right? I can't let this person go because I screwed up. I can't let, I can't let you know, I made a decision a year ago to be in this relationship or a business partner. I can't, I can't let because I, I'm going to show the word I screwed up. Well, sometimes, yeah, you screwed up, and you, you got to let them go. And and uh, and the thing is, when I have faced that situation and I just let people go, or I had to say, you know what, I need to make a decision and let them go, right. let go of this person, the next day, as much as I felt bad about it the day before, 
I'm a lot better. Like my business, my family, my yeah. my personal relationships. See, but when you look I'm at more free, yep. when you look at that from a business aspect, yep. sure, sure, yeah, that's a no-brainer. You don't. Do, I got a short window in business when it comes down. Do to, you? Oh, okay. Yeah. Well, yeah. Business is business. Yeah. Right. And God, we trust, but a man, we put it in writing. There's a you don't do this. In, <laughs> right. You don't do this in writing. You're out. Like yeah, that's yeah. that football taught me that. I don't care about your feelings. We care about what you're putting out on it. Soon as your soon as that 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 skill set falls, you know what this game is about. Yeah. So in business, yes, but in relationships. I feel like some people, like I heard Dr. Evans say that it is your responsibility as a believer to sometimes take on your brother's burdens. When someone is going through it, you, it, but that's a man standard. That's mm. a, a person that's full. Sometimes you got to stand in there and hold that for him when he can't hold that up for him. You don't just let it. Everything's about now is if you do something, you're in an unhappy relationship, get out of there. If someone don't go on with your... Some people need a little more love. Some people need a little more fight in there. Nobody's ever fought for them. Nobody's okay. ever held on yeah. to just give them one more day or one more chance. And it's up to your discretion to choose what. But for me, I don't. it's hard yeah. for me to quit on what God put me in front of. Yeah, I yeah. don't believe God makes mistakes. Amen. Amen. There's purpose behind that. Uh, Jordan, let's go to the next, next one. But I'm in, business, what, in business? In business. <laughs> let's go to Mark Wahlberg. What did he say about faith? I mean, I'm so glad to see a lot more Hollywooders starting to talk about their faith and, and, and how important it is in their lives. So Mark Wahlberg here on Faith. I take two days a week off from the gym now. I don't take a day off from getting on the hands of my knees. That's right. And reading my prayer book and my daily devotionals and, and, you know, first of all, expressing the gratitude that I have for all the blessings that have been bestowed upon me. And then, of course, asking for the strength and guidance um, to be able to use the talents and gifts that God's given me to help others and inspire and know what right is and to do so. You know, be the best husband I can be, best father I can be. You know, you, you said in that interview also that uh, up until, you know, tragic things start happening in your life, that you've only known God in the good. Yeah. Right? Now you're starting to see some of the negative things that start to happen in life as you start to get older. And, yeah. You know, I realized two times that when I was in my 20s and 30s, I got invited a lot to weddings and birthdays, graduations. Mm -hmm. And the older I've gotten, I'm being invited to more funerals. Yeah. You know? And so different perspective of, of, of the spectrum that you were experiencing in life. What, what's your thoughts on Wahlberg in his face. Well, I love I love Wahlberg, and I and I love that he's at the peak of his at the peak of the mountain, telling it on the mountain, not afraid to tell the world how he got here, and that's the most beautiful thing. I think he's one of the top beacons. Him, Tim Tebow, all the young generation guys that yeah. are coming out that could be off on vacation houses doing their own thing, but they never stop to tell them without God I wouldn't be here. And I think that's what it's all about at the end of the day, um, about giving it all. All things go back to God, man. Amen. By the way, Steve Harvey's saying the same thing, too, as well. Let's take a clip here, not what Steve's talking about. God is always there for you. Let's take a look at this clip. Steve Harvey needs to go Steve ahead and preach. Yes, it is. <laughs> From Cle <laughs> Cleveland, right? Mm -hmm. I asked God every day when I was homeless. At the lowest point of my life, I ask God every day, could I be rich? I lived in a car, dog. I ain't had no backyard. I ain't had no TV. I ain't had no phone. I ain't got no bathroom. I ain't got no sink. I ask God every day, could I be rich? So I cut a deal with him. 
I told God, if you let me make it, when I get there, I'm gonna, every chance I get, I'm going to tell everybody it was you. Here I am. And it was him. That's right. But let me counter that, though. You're, you're praying for God to keep your, your wife around. Right. Right? Right. I cut, God, let me cut a deal with you, though. That's right. I, I already, when, you, when I was watching that, mine is backwards. Right? God strips. <laughs> Stripped and stripped. But in that process, I became enriched. And I'm priceless. I, I can I I, I weather I, I recognize that I can weather the yeah. storm. And when you know that, when you're tested, battle tested, yeah. A lot of folks just talking because they sitting happy right now. And they, but I've been through everything you possibly could imagine at an early age, and God has stripped me, and He can trust me in front of different people. I don't have a money. I, I I'm not against anybody that's for it, but my whole thing is about enriching people. And when you enrich people with love and show them that they needed to be here and they're worth being here, man, God becomes priceless. It's not amount of money. It's not amount. I'm priceless. I'm truly enriched. I know without the grace of God woke me up that mm -hmm. keeps my mind, my body works, my arms are moving. I know that I didn't do this. I know that God is doing every day of my life. So I, I'm truly enriched. But I, I believe that's, that's cool, too, what Steve is talking about. So it's kind of like rags to riches type of come up. And then yours was yeah, mine opposite. Was, mine was your money can't buy nothing. Your money can't buy your favor, can't buy your family back, it can't buy. So I had to learn a different perspective on God, how do you want me to proceed? Like, is it yeah, how you go after money when your money couldn't fix what you wanted Trek. to be here for? Yeah. So different. now my whole thing is in the service, and God, you provide. You yeah. provide for me as long as I could to continue to keep. That's my, I cut a deal with God to go help other. Never let me walk past someone that had those eyes that I had or those shoulders slumped over or those. Let me notice that person and, and give me the courage to go and yeah. speak a word of life into them. That's how I feel sometimes when, uh, I mean, I've heard, sometimes all the time, I'm come across a single dad. Because when I met you, I was a single oh, dad, three I kids, never, man. Oh, man. <laughs> so I, was, I yeah. was just getting my business up off the ground. I mean, it's, it's starting, I was getting a little bit of traction when I met you back in the mid-2000s, mid, uh, mid late yeah. 2000s. And but Matt, I couldn't understand that then. Got it. But after I saw you, I had been through so much as a single father. It was a whole, I'm getting chill bumps now. <laughs> because you might not understand, I saw your growth and your evolution but I also saw when you was broken in that place, mm -hmm. and we were all trying to figure out what to do as a man. Yeah. Who's going to help us with the next navigate? What yeah. what steps are we taking? You were new in your faith too. Yeah, yeah. You know what I'm saying? Like right. I had been in the church a long time, but I was just starting to take a hold of my faith by myself, without my parents, without my mom, without the influence of my community that knew me. I was on my own, and it's different yeah. when you get away from your church folk. Yeah. And you have to find a new family, yeah, a new church family in a different city. Because that world is real. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Oh man, uh, let's let's uh, finish out here on some videos here on reactions to some videos here on athletes and money. Um, why pro athletes go broke after make five mil? Let's talk about that. Why? Uh, let's look at that clip. Why pro athletes go broke after they make five mil? Let's take a look at this. You see, a guy making five million dollars 
taxes gonna take fifty something percent of that, yeah. and then your agent takes five percent. You're, you're down to one eight. Your yeah. wife wants a car. You want to help your mom <laughs> out. Something. Yeah, everything yeah. adds up, and then you're stuck with these insurance payment, the house payment, the utility bill for an eight thousand square foot house, and those bills add up, and eventually, like you said, I mean, the income stops. Should the game provide money management? They're starting to do like a rookie symposium. I went to it, and it was like the first year they were doing it, and I thought it was terrible because I was there to, to learn about money. I understand the media, talk to people, interviews, great. Help me with manage my money. There was nothing for uh-huh. it. Okay, so what's the first thing an NFL player should learn about money? Don't spend it. Don't spend it. And the the first thing I, I would say is if you're going to invest, invest in yourself in the education of finances. So should I be in an apartment, have some roommates with other draft picks, other rookies? No. I think you should live close to the facility and you should live in a nice town home because you, you if you're a first rounder, it all depends. So if you're coming out and you're making 60 million, that's different than a, a six, seven rounder who has to manage off of sure. basic salary. And that's like, majority of the league. Yeah, that's what yeah. it is. And um, most of them go broke because they feel like that NFL title gives everyone the right to live like a millionaire. So you're around all these guys yeah. that you thought you should have been first round. You thought you, so the little money you got, you buying this car that you know you shouldn't have or, or different things. But I don't believe NFL players are, bro- they might be broken. But I don't think they're broke. You know what I'm saying? You, they might have a moment of cash flow issues because most people that are broke has no influence. Yeah. So now they just have to recalibrate and they have to come back and change the way they think re-educate themselves, and they're already built on a, pla- a foundation that is ready to be built upon. Rookie minimum salary is $750,000. Next year, increase to the 870 and if they have yeah. uh, more experience. With two more experience, they have 940. So I'm basically a millionaire. Yeah, but they weren't when I played. <laughs> that was like 250, 300,000 yeah. was the minimum. Gotcha. You know, so right now, and it's all relevant, right? Yeah. When I was playing, they were saying guys' contracts like Walter Payton contract. It was nothing yeah. to compare to, but price of milk wasn't the same back sure. when they put. Everything is all relevant. So just right. guarantee the contracts and guys won't go broke. Gotcha. Uh, next clip, uh, Jordan, why professional athletes do go broke? Don't have financial literacy, your ass will go broke no matter how much money you make. This is why we see professional athletes, boxers, football players, basketball players, baseball, it doesn't matter who. They will get 15, 20 million dollar purses like Holyfield right now lives in an apartment. Evander fucking Holyfield lives in an apartment in Philadelphia and is barely getting by. The dude was getting multiple millions of dollars per fight because he was surrounded by yes men, but no one took the time to teach him financial literacy. So that he would have some assets, rental properties, like precious metals, like index funds, so that he can have residual income coming in and that money would be out there working for him. And I think for him too as well, I mean, he's been through a lot of divorces. Right. So so how do, how do you, what's the discernment there with Holyfield and picking the right woman in your life? Oh, that, I, I'm learning that now, man. That, that has everything to do with everything because um, it can cost you. You know what I'm saying? So I think the education of everything is what I've been learning about, because uh, I've had my own financial differences uh, with uh, being asset rich, cash poor in those moments. But I, Les Brown helped me with that you're not broke, you're just going through a cash flow issue. And when I recognized that, I learned that there's a pivot 
yeah, right? Yeah, yeah. And I think most guys go broke because they don't want to admit. And the more they don't admit, I need help, the bleeding keeps going. But you have a lot of different assets, a lot of different things you could leverage. A vendor shouldn't be living in a... In, that means you got to submit somewhere or humble yourself. You got too many relationships. Yeah. You've helped too many people along the way. Sure. So I just think with the right humility, vulnerability is a big thing and it's scary to a lot of guys that it happens. And your, your life is not over just because you, you, your numbers start. I walked in a bank when I got my second contract. And I asked these people, they, I, just, I was the first to ever be paid $10 million per season at my position in the NFL, in mm -hmm. the history of the NFL. I walk in there next week to my same bank I've been with. I had to be probably about 24, and I got to my new deal. I built a relationship with this bank. We were learning about finances. They knew I was a young boy from Colleen, Texas, who didn't <laughs> know. And we had an honest relationship. They were, we were teaching learning. So I come in after my new deal. They congratulated me when I came in. The private bank. It's a big bank in yeah, Chicago. Yeah, for sure. I walk in there and um, I'm asking my my uh, my attendant. I say, uh, Yvette. I say, let me see. Ask the president. Can they put ten million dollars in one uh, room and let me come see it? Yeah. She said, "What?" I said, <laughs> "I said, ask them, can they put ten million in one room and let me come see it?" She she got up. She said, "Hey." <laughs> he called the vice president. He said, "Hey, Tommy wants ten million in one room, sir. so he could in the vault." He said, "What?" <laughs> Everybody started laughing at me. I said, "What's so funny?" I said, "What is so funny?" They said, "Tommy, we don't hold that much money in a bank. We can't just bring ten million in cash in no bank." I said, "So I'm supposed to believe because my number flipped from last week to this week, I'm supposed to act different?" Yes, Tommy. So when people's numbers go down, that's why they be mad. Yes, Tommy. Mm. Yeah. Mine yeah. never been predicated. I come from nothing. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So it wasn't identified and tied to a dollar It's amount. never a dollar. You can't make. Yeah. My dad always made. Money don't make you. Yeah. There you go. You know what I mean? Like, I don't care how much money you got. A butthole comes in all colors. I just try to stay away from the stinky one. <laughs> but but they all stink, though. <laughs> you right. Tell me a good smelling butthole. I mean, I don't know. Stop it. <laughs> it's, it's, but look at this. Let's look, look, let's look at the screen here real quick. <laughs> this is Evander getting help from uh, uh, my screen here, uh, Jordan. Uh, this is Evander getting help from Marco Simonis and uh, uh, Alex Rodriguez. I think he was on a reality show to get him back on his financial feet. Yeah. It's so, so he's getting some coaching. He's getting some counsel. I don't know what the follow-up to this. It was a couple years ago. Um, but, but do you think it's fair that every person should care? Like, is, is financial literacy not like forcing someone to read? You need to read. And if you don't read it, then you are not going to get what you... Well, what if I don't want... What if I don't like reading? Is that saying stay in your position, stay in your hurting place? What if this has never been... And you're talking about African-American boys who have not been okay. schooled yeah, or yeah. not been... Like, we don't... You don't know if you're going to live tomorrow. So you want to go buy that chain, yeah. buy that car, get that. So you tell me, sit down and talk about your future. And uh -huh. what future? I'm just getting comfortable where I can lay down at night. Without My whole work. life was led up to this moment. That's right. That's it. Yeah, it's tough. And now you got people telling you you're going to be a stupid athlete that retired. And you're, but I don't really. Now you, this is the big problem too. Most most athletes go broke because you trust the wrong financial people. Boom. It's who advising you. Yeah. Is it, you have to really do more of a due diligence on who you allow to advise your money. You're a fan of the same boat. Yes, sir. You're a fan of the same boat. So, sadly, he trusted the wrong guy. Yeah. His whole entire career of running track. That's sad. Gone. Man. 
gone. Wrong guys he trusted in uh, Jamaica because it wasn't secured size like it is in America. And it's really catch me if you can. Yeah. Once your money's yeah. gone, nobody's feeling sorry you're an athlete yeah. that got your money stolen and yeah. taken away from you because you trusted these people yeah. while you were doing your art and your yeah. skill and they said they had your back. Yeah. And then you come back after you finish and realize your whole bank has been robbed. Like, that looks crazy on it. You can have all the financial literacy in the world. Do you have a checklist of uh, advisors? Like, if, if these are some of the things I look for, otherwise, you're a red flag. They're not my coach, they're not my, my financial coach, they're not my. Business advice. Yeah, at this point, yes. You, my anybody buys my money has to make more than me. Okay. You, you. I For don't sure. want to talk to some because I'm <laughs> just some, paying some your. You. I'm just paying your bill to be in front of me. <laughs> yeah. If you don't have more money, I want to be with guys that have more where I can shoot. Yeah for the mark. If you're not checking in with me or, yeah. or, or I can't get in contact with you daily or we build a rapport on how to move. Like yeah. I pay my guy, uh, I don't know, in the middle of, I got drafted in 2004, so 2008 was that big hit. Um, when I retired- Big hit meaning big-, big uh, uh, Recession. Oh, I got you. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Uh, yeah. I forgot okay. you were very technical. Yeah, I get you. Because yeah. <laughs> um, you're a football player. I was like, what a hit. Stop it. <laughs> no, so, yeah. Uh, yeah, like in 2008, um, I, I, after I retired, I recognized, uh, I knew, I didn't know what we were in. When you mm -hmm. have a lot of money, recessions aren't really real. You're not, the people are going off to, on their boats. Life sure. is still happening as, yeah. if you can ignore it. Right, and that's what wealth allows you the opportunity. You can ignore what's happening and and yeah. things, but after the end of my career, I recognized that my financial advisor didn't make me any money and he didn't lose me any money. Kind of like, but all yeah. I did was pay him over 180 every year to manage my money. And could have just say with a regular bank and did yeah. you, you without see paying the fees. And then I, I, my same advisor was advising another teammate of my, uh, a player of mine that played on another team that I knew, and he would bring his spreadsheet compared to mine. Yeah. And his was way like, he was making big time money. Yeah. But he was risking a lot, and he told me not to risk. And I was only doing what he told me to do. Gotcha. But this guy was telling him what he wanted him to do with his money. So I'm gonna tell anyone that's going in this position, these people work for you. That's right. So you gotta have, you gotta seek education, okay. seek other people around you that know more about this, and and just do your due diligence. Um, let's go to the next clip, Jordan. Three athletes who are terrible with their money. Because sometimes you learn more, and then after that, after that, we'll go with uh, the Kobe to wrap up. Here are three athletes who are terrible with their money. Number one is Mike Tyson. So Iron Mike earned over $400 million during his boxing career. And in early 2003, he declared bankruptcy. So where did all the money go? It went from limousines to Siberian tigers to just blowing it left and right. And Mike Tyson claims that crooked promoters didn't help. In fact, he sued his previous promoter, Don King, for $100 million claiming that Don King cheated him out of tens of millions of dollars over the years. Number two is Antoine Walker. Antoine Walker earned yeah, over $108 million during his 13-year NBA career. It was said that he never wore the same designer suit twice. He was lending financial support to over 70 friends and family. And in 2010, he filed for bankruptcy after writing $1 million bad checks. Number three is Terrell Owens. T.O. made over $80 million during his playing career, but in 2012, he also filed for bankruptcy. Some of the things that he cited were bad investing habits, the housing market crisis, and paying over $50,000 per month in child support. Yeah. 
That'll, that'll do it. That'll yeah. do it. Uh, it, it's funny. I, I, the, the three I was mentioned there, we've actually had conversation with two of them. Um, looking forward to having a conversation with T.O. Iron Mike, he had bad wiring. He thinks everybody's in his life because of his money. So the, if he said, if I just get rid of my money, bad people will stop coming to my life. That's his, that's his identity. Mm -hmm. it's, that's the way he mm -hmm. correlates money mm -hmm. of having bad people in his life. And then um, who was the second one there? Was, uh, um, who was the second one there? Uh, oh, uh, a basketball player. Yeah. Um, uh, 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 Antoine Walker. Mm -hmm. We interviewed him at a um, cigar lounge in Chicago, and he, like what you're saying, he I trusted love the wrong Walk. guy. Yeah, he trusted the wrong guy to manage his properties. Yeah, but Walk also, both of the, all three of those people you looked at, you're never going to give, even Holyfield. If you go over their life, they are all givers. Sure. They were all sure. givers. That's the yeah. part that the world is missing yeah. right now. Like yeah. you're being punished for being pure as a giver. These guys didn't just take limousine. They took children out with cancer on their last night. Antoine Walker would take the whole South Side of, and mm -hmm. give kids mm -hmm. an experience, pay for people houses that didn't have home. That's the when you're an African American athlete, that money belongs to us. When you make it, if your if your hood was behind you or whatever had to protect you, then you're not just coming back home by you didn't make it by yourself. And that's the whole thing that a lot of guys have to work through at this point, like starting to separate from the crowd and learning how to do better jobs at setting up ways to give, not just giving cat. There's ways, there's smarter so ways to earn it. That's that earn it. There's or starting a business, yeah. or even yeah. the guys that's living with you from day one when you yeah. bring them to stay with you in this new city, yeah. put them to work. Yep. Yep. Get show on taxes that you're paying them a position. That's like LeBron. LeBron did everything in a business movement. Oh, These we're... weren't just homeboys. It's a company. Yeah. So that's what guys need to understand now. When you're getting drafted, you're coming out the gate as a business. Yeah. And you need to act as one. Right. And if you're not doing your job as part of the crew, you got to go. Yeah. You know, you got to go. For right now, we'll see you when, when yeah. it slows down. Come back, though. Yeah. Come back, if though. You, if you prepare, if yeah. you're ready. You improve. Yeah. And so, yeah, I, I think a lot of those guys um, didn't have those checks and balances to say, if I'm going to put you on payroll, if I'm going to give you money, here's how you're going to earn it to as well. And the downside to them being a giver is that the people that they gave money to, where are they now? Right. Where are they now? That's big. So, uh, Be um, careful who you, you're right. Yeah, with Walk, good, thank goodness that uh, I think it was Northwestern Mutual, they, ha they have him on salary. So he tours all the different college campuses to advise the college students about money. Northwestern. So, not Northwestern uh, uh, Mutual. Mutual Life Insurance Company. So they get him touring to all the, because they're an NCAA uh, uh, sponsor. Mm -hmm. So they got him going to all the different colleges to educate the uh, college students, the, the student athletes about, about finance. So it's so a good on a walk with that. Uh, so he's got that going on. Um, let's go wrap up this podcast uh, with this, with this uh, stud. And uh, he spoke at our conference, uh, sadly, three months after that, he, he passed away. But uh, Mm -hmm. Kobe, uh, he Kobe, oh, he's, yeah. he's, uh, he was backstage with us. I'm like, Kobe, wait, wait, why are you doing business with us? He goes, so what are you doing? He goes, I just smell on you guys. You guys are obsessors. Mm -hmm. <laughs> I only do business right. with obsessors. And uh, I said, Kobe, do it again. So I, I recorded. <laughs> it's on my IG. It's got, it's got one of, my, one of those reels. And so I just never thought that three months later he passed away. Man. Unbelievable. You know? So let's take a look at what Kobe said here post career. What are you supposed to do? retire you don't have that source of income that's coming in right so even if you save over a 15-year career if your spending habits remain the same eventually that well is going to run dry right. 
right? So unfortunately for us athletes, retirement age is 32, 34, if you're lucky, 37 like myself, what comes next? Right, so the question needs to be, what comes next? What can I do? What is my passion? Not where I can create the most value or generate the most revenue, but what is my next passion? When you find that next passion, everything else will make sense. So my question to you, Tommy, by the way, fruitful advice? I worked with him. Did you? Awesome. Yeah, I've had the Players Tribune. Wow, I worked for awesome. him, him and uh, really? Drita. That's great. Mm-hmm. What's what's uh, as as we send you off, Tommy? I appreciate your grace in our podcast about your time, your hey, investing time you. in the Millinger 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 too, podcast. Man. What's Tommy's next passion? Passion. Uh, my passion right now is just um, uh, encouraging others uh, along my journey of uh, mental health uh, to navigate a, um, a, a place, a, a safe space for men. I, I'm just encouraging. I, I love encouraging men, and I feel like it's a huge need in this time. And it also helps me. It feels like um, I'm doing my part, and it gives me something to wake up out of bed to know that I'm not the only one that's sitting here going through something, dealing with something, but to encourage myself daily to be an inspiration to someone else who's on the verge of quitting or giving up to never, ever quit yeah. and to make it in your mind that, that it's, it's not an option. Quitting is not an option, and this is what it's all about, showing up every day, and encouraging others. That's what, my passion. What's your word of encouragement to, to young men coming up right now? And and there's so much distractions coming their way. I mean, uh, uh, so many different social things we have to navigate. We were talking about earlier, and some things we have to navigate, things we can say, not say. What's, what's your message to young men today? Uh, first, my message to young men today is stay away from women that aren't ticklish. Uh, the second thing that I would say to them is, to man, take this opportunity in life um, to not waste it, and, and to really to hear it from me at my version of myself at 39. I'll be 40 at the end of this month, and uh, to just thank God for be grateful, man, to find gratitude in whatever you're doing. But please don't waste it, and your life matters, man. You deserve to be here. You don't have to look for a purpose because God doesn't make mistakes. That means you're on purpose and just continue to walk every day uh, and to get better and better each day. That's the mission. Awesome. Tommy, appreciate you coming by. Thank you, Millionaire Goals Podcast. You got to come back. Yeah, righteous. And and for everybody, make sure you follow Tommy Harris, at Tommy Harris here on Instagram, and uh, make sure you pick up a copy of his book, Endure. And uh, I'm telling you this, get your seatbelt on, get the Kleenex out, man. But uh, to see what this man has gone through, um, some of the writer says in his subtitle, playing through life's, Hardest hits, and I, I know uh, life isn't easy all the time. But I think we, when you hear stories like Tommy, and you see the examples of how to get through some of this, and you follow the big man upstairs uh, to guide you and through it, you know what is, what is the same Proverbs: Lean not on your own on understanding, understanding, acknowledge Him, and He will make your path straight. I think uh, uh, that will help you equip you mentally, spiritually, emotionally to 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 deal with life as what we're going through now in America. But with that being said, Tommy. Super honored that you're here, man. Hey, thank you, Thanks man. for being here. So that being said, I'd love to know your thoughts. Please put your comments in the comment section below. You agree with us? You don't agree with us? What topic that you want to hear down there, please put it in the comment section below. Make sure you subscribe to the Millionaire Goals podcast. Hit like, and we'll see you next Wednesday. Every Wednesday, noon Central Standard Time, Millionaire Goals podcast. We'll be here. We'll see you next week. Till we meet again. Ciao. Continue to live smart. Continue to love smart. Be money smart today. Bye-bye. <laughs>